Go to the book of Luke, chapter 7. All right, you're going to have to hear, listen fast. I'm going to have to preach fast. We've got communion Sunday, so I won't preach as long. I've noticed down through the years, anytime I preach, oh, say 20 minutes or less after the service, John Myers, always the first one to shake my hand, said, that's some good preaching there, brother. <laughs> Every time. Luke 7, 37 and 38. We're going to look at the sermon today at Jesus' feet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at Jesus' feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. And she did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Let me go ahead and read verse 39. And when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself. He had this thought. This man, if he were a prophet, see, now he didn't say this out loud. He's thinking this. This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that touches him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he says, Master, say on. And Jesus said there was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? And Simon answered and said, I suppose he that to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, you have rightly judged. Father, take the words that we will speak, and I am believing, God, that you're going to spearhead them into the heart of every person here. And Lord, they will leave knowing that they have heard from the word of God this day, and it will create blessing in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus says in the book of Matthew, some powerful, powerful, powerful words in Matthew 15, when he says, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your, anybody? Tradition. Tradition. Let's play that little video. Keep our balance. That I can tell you in one word. Tradition. Because of our traditions, we've kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to eat, 
How to work. How to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Day and night must scramble for a living, feed a wife and children, say his daily press, and who has a right as master of the house to have the final word at home? Tradition for the papa, tradition for the mama, tradition for the daughters, tradition for the sons, tradition for others. Tradition, tradition, tradition. The reason tradition is hard to break is very easy. Reason. Because it takes so long to get that way. Take so long to get that way. And it's not going to be easily broken. What this woman did 2,000 years ago, coming into Jesus' presence, taking her ointment, breaking that alabaster box, pouring the contents, and not just like a whole lot of Christians do today, They've got the Brill Cream kind of religion where a little dab will do you. No, she didn't do that. She broke the contents, poured it, and gave it all. And then bends down and she's drying the feet of Jesus with her hair. That was as furthest thing from tradition as could have been imagined. It was almost scandalous what this woman not only thought to do, but actually did 2,000 years ago. 
From time to time, we here at Orchardville Church, we change things up a bit. And I think it's for, from my perspective, it's for we do not get caught in this trap of tradition. How many of you ever watched Fiddler on the Roof? Most of you have not. There's a good training and lessons to be learned throughout that whole movie. So again, we change it up from time to time. Margaret Thatcher said this, and she was head of, uh, oh, uh, there of England there for a lot of years, prime minister of England. She said, consensus is not leadership. Consensus is this. No, I won't do it with this hand. Shut too many people's hands. All right, here. <laughs> consensus is doing this and seeing which way the wind blows. And in whichever way the wind blows, that's the way that I will lead. And she says, consensus is not leadership. What's well, consensus? An opinion had by all or at least by most. That's what consensus is. And again, this is certainly not something that this woman did 2,000 years ago out of, well, this is what everybody does. No, she's going way beyond that. She's going way beyond that. In John chapter 10 are these words of Jesus. John 10 verse, um, oh, let's go to verse 27. Jesus asked this question, what is written in the law and how readest thou? And the lawyer stood and said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered right, this do and thou shalt live. Are you obeying what Jesus says for you? This is now from time to time people have asked me this concerning um, not only obeying Jesus, but once you are born again, being able to have an assurance of your faith. And man, I believe in that. I believe in that. I wasn't, when I was saved, I wasn't in a church that taught that. But since then, I surely see that's what the Bible teaches. See, I was in a church where it was taught that you was saved and then look out because before the day's over with, you could be lost. How many of you ever used in something? Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of got an idea of that. Yeah. Save lost. Save lost. Save lost. And then save lost. Save lost. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. It's a wonderful thing to be in the hands of Jesus. We could say, I've got, I'm, I'm holding Jesus' hand. Well, that's a wonderful thing. But something even greater than that is him holding your hand. Amen. That's even greater. You've got your little child and you're, you're at, uh, in Mount Vernon. You're in some major city like Mount Vernon. Uh, all my life, uh, our kids, when they were little bitty, they said, uh, we're going to grow up and we're going to leave and we're going to go to a big city. I always figured they meant Mount Vernon. Not Seoul, Korea, or Chicago, Illinois. But you're in a, you're in a big city, and, and the kid wants to hold your hand, but you're in traffic, and you want to cross the street. That's not good enough, and you know that. You want to hold their hand. That's something better. That's something better. 
And this is what we see from the teaching of Jesus. And it's not, uh, just let me put a wrinkle in this. People say, what about the security of the believer? I've got to put a wrinkle in that. What about the insecurity of the make-believer? Well, you really don't have it. You just attend church and you've got enough to kind of inoculate you from the real thing. It's what you're thinking about. But when push comes to shove, when real issues hit you in the face, you need to have the, the assurance that God gives a believer. Jesus said, a real believer will follow me. And they follow me. Preacher, how do I do that? I think we do that one of the ways is by attending services with fellow believers. I think that's a great way to follow Jesus and to learn what he is wanting in your life. You hear me say it all the time. Read two chapters in the Bible. And if you can't do that, goodness gracious, read one. Pray every day. Again, with uh, being willing to go to church with other believers. Thank God. One guy told my, my father-in-law years ago, well, do I have to go to church? And Bob says, no, you don't have to. You get to. Amen. I like that. Another wonderful truth is I'm on the shepherd's shoulders. Brian sang that Keith Green song. In one of his album covers, it shows him they, had, they shot multiple pictures, I guess, and couldn't get it right. And finally, just jokingly, he reached down and picked up one of those lambs and draped it around his shoulders. And that was the picture they took, and that's the picture that's on the album cover with him smiling and that sheep looking right into the camera and Keith Green smiling like he's the shepherd of the sheep. Wonderful image and wonderful truth being on the shoulders of someone bigger than you. Well, preacher, I'm holding on. <laughs> what happens if you run out of gas? There's something better than just holding on, getting on board and letting him hang on to you. I don't see anywhere in the Bible in the Genesis account where Noah took, took eight nails and nailed them on the outside of the ark. And Noah's got a nail and Noah's wife's got a nail and Ham's got a nail and Shem's got a nail and Japheth's got a nail and their three wives, they've all got a nail and they're all holding on as the winds and the waves crash around them. No, they got on board the boat. They got on board the boat and the boat was now holding on to them. And I think the truth of, of Jesus saying he's the shepherd and we are the sheep, there is a subliminal message in that that if most, especially American believers got a hold of, they would be offended that Jesus would call us a sheep. You know, not in all of America is there a city anywhere that's called the Smithburg Sheep. And a sheep is their mascot. And they go out and they play against the Blueford Trojans or the Wayne City Indians. And the Indian's mascot comes out and he's the Indian. 
I don't know if they're allowed to do that anymore. I don't know. But believe me, that's not a very ferocious idea of our mascot is going to be a sheep and he's going to bah you to death. Bah, bah. See, there's nothing strong about that. Nothing at all. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep, the only way they make it is if they have a good shepherd. The only way. Sheep are not smart. Sheep are stupid. Again, they need the shepherd to survive. If a sheep, if a sheep gets settled down and they're on a little bit of an implane, if they don't watch out, they will roll over to where now they're on their back and they're going ba And if it's a hot Judean sun that's just shining down upon their belly, that membrane of their belly is so thin that it will heat up the gastric juices in their belly and will kill them. So everything about them is they need help. They're about like a turkey who gets on a railroad track. I guess if a turkey gets on a railroad track and an and a, a, a engineer and the, and the engine's coming toward him, the turkey, instead of running and going the other way, will run toward the train. The sheep needs help from the shepherd. I am going to heaven someday. Well, you must really think you're a good guy. No, it's because I've got a good shepherd. Amen. That's why I know I'm going. Ain't got nothing about whether if I'm a good guy or not. I'm bragging not on me, but I'm bragging upon the shepherd. Yes. That's the reason I'm going to go. Amen. Another wonderful, wonderful, wonderful truth. I am on God's mind. Mm -hmm. King David writes, what is man that thou art mindful of him. Lord, what is man you even give him a second thought? But like God said about David, he's the apple of my eye. He's the apple of my eye. The Bible says that when God thinks about us, he dances. And I know we have a hard time with that. <laughs> Thinking that that would be true, but the Bible says that. But of all these different truths that we can talk about, one that I think is one of the most important for us to get a hold of, I am to be just like this woman and put tradition aside and I am to be willing to fall at Jesus' feet. Nobody else in the room was doing it. Simon, the man that owned the home, had invited Jesus in and his disciples. He wasn't doing it. The disciples certainly wasn't falling at his feet. But this woman fell at Jesus' feet and she's pouring the ointment and she's taking her long hair and wiping the feet of Jesus. It's the furthest thing from tradition that you could have found. I think Orchardville Church is one of the finest churches around, but this church cannot save you. Cannot save a soul. Preacher, I'm saved because I'm a Baptist. That's wrong. 
I'm saved because I'm a Methodist. That's wrong. I'm saved because I'm a church of God. That's wrong. I'm saved because I'm assembly of God. That's wrong too. I'm saved because I have bowed at the feet of Jesus. And that's where I'm supposed to be. Pride must fall at Jesus' feet. Sin must fall at Jesus' feet. Self-praise must fall at Jesus' feet. Five times in Luke's gospel, people are falling at the feet of Jesus. And I think it's where salvation begins. People have said to me from time to time, uh, according to different verses in the Bible, you don't have to repent to be saved. But here's the point. I think the very act of repentance get us to the point to where we're willing to accept Jesus as Savior. You know, the person that don't think they've ever done anything wrong, and it's like the old timers used to say, you got to get them lost before you get them found. People got to see their need of a Savior, and then they will come to Jesus Christ. This woman felt like she was too unworthy to approach him, so she had to give her very best to even approach him. And she gave it all. Again, not a little dab. She broke it all and gave the whole contents more than a year's worth of wages. She gave it all. Much like King David in the Old Testament when he stands there on the hill there in Jerusalem and says that I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing because the man that owned the hill, he owned the cattle, he owned the threshing floor, he owned it all. And he said, David, don't offer to buy it from me. I will give it to you. I honor you in this. I, you just take what you need to offer to God. And David said, I won't offer to God that which costs me nothing nothing. And I think God honored David right back. Instead of saying, oh, yeah, what a deal. I'll give to God and God will be pleased and it ain't cost me a dime. David didn't have that attitude. Jonah in his book says salvation is of the Lord. See, this woman didn't go to the Nazarene church and she didn't go to the Presbyterian church. She went straight to Jesus. And Jesus said, thy sins are forgiven. Thank God. I once told a man in this church building, and I tried to do it with Christian love. I don't know if it came out that way or not, but at least I tried. I tried. And I told him after he said something to me, I said, go and sit down. Kind of like with that attitude. Years ago, Candace, uh, she came in on a conversation I was having, and I shouldn't even tell this about myself, but I will. Confession's good for the soul. And um, she came in on the conversation I was having on the phone, and I finally, I put the phone down, and Candace says, Dad, you were screaming at that guy on the phone. I said, I know, I'm sorry. This guy had called me a million times and then he called me on Thanksgiving. And I said, man, it's Thanksgiving. I got family here. That didn't matter to him. It finally got to the point to where he called me so many times. I said, do you know how many people is on the planet? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, there's six billion people and you keep calling me up. This ain't fair. 
Again, confession is good for the soul. But that go and sit down. When I hear a preacher say, join our church and you will be saved, it just boils up with me and me. I want to say, go and sit down. Because that's not correct. When I hear people say, wear the kind of clothes that people in our church wear, then you'll be saved. I want to say, go and sit down. Because that's incorrect. Have the right kind of hairstyle that I've got, I want to say, go and sit down. Because that is not correct. Be baptized in our water and you'll be saved. I want to say, go and sit down, because that ain't right. In Luke chapter 8, I'll read that real quick. I am fastly running out of time. Verse 35. Then they went out to see what was done, and they came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. The man was a maniac. He was demon-possessed. He scared everyone in the neighborhood. He lived in the cemetery. He would come out and he would terrorize the town. Having been in Israel, our tour guide pointed out the only spot in all around the Sea of Galilee where that could have happened. Because there is one spot to where it's just a long slope of ground that gradually goes right into the Sea of Galilee. He said that's the only spot where that story makes sense to where the, the, they were at and Jesus took the, uh, made the demons go into the, the uh, pigs. That's where we get deviled ham from. How many knew that? <laughs> Stick with me and you'll learn something. And they ran violently down into the sea and they were drowned. And where do we see this man at? He is at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. And nobody, the Bible said, could tame him. And now, where does he want to be at? He wants to be at the very feet of Jesus is where he wants to be at. Nowhere else, at the very feet of Jesus. You get saved at Jesus' feet, I think you grow in grace at Jesus' feet. I believe this is where the man thought, you know, if I'm right here, the devil can't get me. If I'm right here. And he wanted to be right there. New convert, stay at his feet and have a humble attitude and you'll grow in the things of God. In Luke chapter 8, there's a story of Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue. And to where his daughter is dying and he comes and he bows before the feet of Jesus and he has a desperate need. And desperate times calls for desperate measures and his prestige didn't matter. His, his honored position didn't matter. His money didn't matter. One thing matter, my little girl is dying and I need help. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus. This is why never, 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 never look down your nose at someone who comes to the altar. Amen. You don't know what they're there for. It could be of such a desperate sense. And, and thank God, I don't think we get that here. I don't think we get that. To where, and, I, and I know I've been to other churches where I felt that, to where people were looking down at others that get, went to the altar. Like, well, what did they do this week? That's a pharisaical viewpoint is what that is. Is what that is. Pray for them 
and believe with them, but don't belittle them. Because it could be you be in that situation where you have a desperate need. Number four, it's in Luke 10, 39. It's a great place to learn. Mary sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I like that. And in Luke 17, it's being thankful. This is where the 10 lepers and the 10 that needed healed and one, they all were healed. And Jesus said, go and tell this to the, at the synagogue. And they all left except one. One returned and went back to Jesus to thank him and fell at his feet. I love that. I love that. Sometimes as a pastor, you wonder, where are the nine? Oh, well, I'm saved. That's the important part. Hopefully they'll get theirs. I got mine. That's all that counts. Where are the nine? Hmm. How many remembers when your, your child was just born and one of the things you did was you counted their fingers and you counted their toes. How many of you remember ever doing that? And then you did the little song as you was looking at their toes. This little piggy went to market, and this little piggy, and this little piggy, and this little piggy squealed all the way home. Don't you hate that Geico commercial with that pig squealing like that? Is that a Geico? It's, it's annoying. You, and you kiss the feet of that little baby. Why? Because you love that child. That's why, that's why this woman thousands of years ago, that's why she acted this way toward Jesus. She loved the Lord Jesus. She was thankful to have met him. One day, we will be able to bow before the one that saved us. And I think, as one man's put it, and I think it's so, there's only one man-made thing in heaven. It's the piercings in Jesus' hands and feet and the piercing in his side. Only man-made thing in heaven. And we'll be able to look upon him. And one day, we'll be able to thank him personally. And you've heard me tell this. Years ago, driving on Broadway there in Mount Vernon and pa passing by the Presbyterian Church and seeing that big etching, that's what it is. It's an etching of what someone thought that the Lord Jesus looked like and to him as a shepherd. And all of those stones were the same except that very one at his feet it's a different color than all the rest. That stone is different than all the rest. We've called the church and asked them why. And the church secretary said, you're the second person that's called in all the years that we've been here. But nobody on the church, none of the deacons knew why that was sent to us like that, but we went ahead and used it. But what God spoke to me by the Holy Spirit that day was everything changes at his feet. It does. It's going to be different. It's different for this woman after she bowed before the feet of Jesus. 
It's different when we are willing to surrender our attitude, our life, our emotions, our everything to him. It will be different at his feet. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.